0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Look at what I do. How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way.
2: God bless you and roll tight. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show.
0: I'm not going to begin every show talking about the climate, okay? I promise you guys. Welcome to the show. It's Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, along with Christian Miller, as uh, we bring you the noon to two Jay Barker show on the Jay Barker Radio Network. But it is cold. It's colder than it was yesterday, Lars. And uh, when it doesn't get above 50 in Alabama, that's uh, that's cold for everybody involved. So, Anyway, I'm not going to go down that road for very long because eventually it will warm up and all things will be
3: better. Lars, what's happening? How are you? What's for lunch? (laughs) I I hate starting out the show with a a sad, disturbing story, but to me uh, it's the most important story uh, in the sports world and also one of the most important stories in the country right now, and that is what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, Christopher Darnell Jr., who's the sus- uh, the suspe- suspected gunman in a shooting Saturday night that left three University of Virginia football players dead and another wounded, uh, as we're getting more information, it turns out that he was aiming at people and not shooting a handgun randomly on a charter bus. Uh, a witness who was on the bus, who was <clears throat> excuse me, who was returning from a class field trip. Uh, they had gone to Washington D.C. Told police that uh, Jones shot and killed uh, Virginia wide receiver Devin Chandler while he was sleeping. And details of the witness statements that have been shared with the with, with the court uh, are are just so disturbing. And um, and it, it's just uh, it's such a huge tragedy. And, uh, you, you know, you're, you're kind of left with w- without words, um, but, uh, you know, there's a, a, a long story in the New York Times that some warning signs were missed or allegedly missed, uh, according to the lawyer of one of the um, families of the deceased that, at the, that uh, Jones, uh, who's the alleged uh, shooter here, um he had outstanding warrants on misdemeanor hit and run property damage and reckless driving charges from 2021 he uh was convicted uh uh of uh and issued a 12 month suspended sentence on 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 those charges I, I i'm sorry on on those um uh yeah i'm sorry the, the, on on different charges and so uh it was uh uh, you know, th- again, three football players from Virginia, uh, their lives were taken in this uh, triple homicide um, and uh, a, a running back. Mike Collins also was hospitalized after being shot in the back. and a fifth person on the bus, Virginia student Marley Morgan, was also shot. Uh, I believe uh, thankfully she has been released from the hospital. And I know that uh, running back Mike Hollins, when he was off the ventilator, the first question he asked was about his teammates, and it was his mother who had to tell him what had happened. Um, So I I, I don't know uh, if there's any big takeaways from this, Matt, other than this is a, a tragedy of epic proportions. And um, perhaps there were some mental health issues going on. I think that's a good chance. I think so, too. Um, And uh, I know that uh, uh, Virginia, I think, very appropriately um, has canceled its final home game of the season against Coastal Carolina, which was scheduled for Saturday. And instead, uh, a memorial service for those three players will be held Saturday at uh, 330 at uh john paul jones arena and it's going to be open to the public and live streamed and uh christian i i know that uh this is a very difficult story and uh it it's um it's hard to even comment on it um what do, do you have a reaction to this other other than you know just the the profound sadness of it all
4: you know honestly
3: i'm, I'm just lost for words you know it's just a senseless just disgusting tragedy
4: and and um you know again my heart goes out to you know everyone involved and all the loved ones involved and you know i can just only imagine you know what that community is going through right now but you know it's just tough man you know i just put myself in that you know situation of being a student athlete and having a you know an, an event like that occur i don't i don't even know where we would go from from there and um Again, it's just such a senseless tragedy. and that, and I just again, I pray for everybody involved. But um, I definitely, you know, hope that we can figure something out moving forward to, to try to do all that we can to prevent these things. I mean, I know nothing will ever be a hundred percent. But you know, I wish we could finally come up with something to you know help just avoid these the best that we can. I, and I, again, I know you know there's never going to be a perfect. You know, recipe for that but man you just you just wish there were just something you know something that you, you could just do to just take those things away is it too early just to ask a few questions like
0: weren't they on a bus yes Sarah. A f- how do you get a gun on a school bus you know i i, I don't know um do they go through metal detectors probably, probably
4: not. not yeah probably not
0: um and and i think the profound issue here is just mental illness and recognizing it and trying to get people help. We don't reach out much anymore, do we? <laughs> Not and in,
3: enough. Uh, the, again, the, the alleged shooter, uh, Jones, he was a member of the football team during the 2018 season. He was a, a one-semester walk-on. And, uh, and, and why he chose to target um the, the the football players and others on this bus it it remains uh, a, a mystery at this point but uh i i do think we will uh ultimately get to the bottom of it and um you know this is uh still um just in, in virginia you know we remember the the shooting massacre at virginia tech in in 2007. And there were important questions that were asked at that time you know could uh, have could have officials acted with more urgency um, could they have done anything different and now for almost a a sister school of Virginia Tech Virginia uh, having to go through this it's uh, it's just uh, uh, unfathomable Um, and uh, and and so uh, mr. Jones Uh, University officials said um, he he was a senior at Virginia. Uh, He had a gun in the month's leading up to uh, the attack uh, based on a tip that they had received in September. Okay, But the tipster had not actually seen Jones with the gun, officials said last week. And the university's threat assessment team learned that Jones' roommate had not seen the gun either. So... Again, the, the investigation did uncover that Jones had a concealed weapon conviction in 2021, but it was in another county in, in Virginia. And now they're trying to figure out, they're trying to trace the origins of where that gun was purchased. And, uh, man, it, it's just, uh, it, it's, it, it's sad. I mean, no, no, no matter the reasoning behind it, we're not going to bring back those three young men whose life was just beginning, full of promise, full of possibility, and uh, it, it's just a, a, a sad story. And, and again, I, I hate to lead the show with uh, such a, such a sobering story, but Matt, I, I just it's important to talk about and important to just be aware of it. And, uh, and, and also to follow this story, to figure out what we can learn, and not just at Virginia, but at co- on college starting campuses at, all across the country. I mean,
0: starting from Columbine up to now, um, it just doesn't appear like we've done enough. No, <laughs> there's no doubt. We have not done enough. On the heels of this, the very next day in Idaho, it was an off-campus home but four students were brutally stabbed to death. I know. What's going and on in this country? I don't
3: know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Uh, I, I will say, just uh, in teaching at, at Alabama for the last nine years uh, as a full-time faculty member, I, I've never felt threatened at all. I, I've I've never felt nervous about walking into a classroom uh, I, I maybe that is my own naivete. I don't know. Cr- Christian, when you were on campus in Tuscaloosa, did you ever feel that uh, you, you, that, that, that you were stepping into what could be a perilous situation? Uh,
4: no, honestly, I've always you know felt safe on campus, but um, realistically, I'm sure all those students, unfortunately that were in these situations always felt safe up to that point. I mean, yeah. you gotta imagine yeah. they, they probably never expected um, such a tragic event to unfold and uh, I, I think Matt you said you said it's such a great thing I think it, it all boils down to you know checking on one another loving on one another and uh, again we don't know exactly um, you know reasonings for things but um, I do know that um, you know maybe treating people better could possibly help maybe reaching out to others could possibly help maybe um, if you see someone that might be struggling reaching out to them and just checking on them and just showing them love and um, again, and do I think that's going to you know, fix everything? No, but um, I, I think right now it's just just a hard time, and, and the best thing we can do is just come together um, as a community and uh, just try to try to come up with something. Because I agree, man, I don't think we've done enough yet to this point, and uh, something definitely needs to be done moving forward. Absolutely. Good points. Well put, um, man. Yeah, well put
3: on all fronts, yeah, guys. Well put, Matt. Well put, Christian.
0: Um, one of the things that we can – kind of divert our attention away from the tragedies such as those, is uh, we can talk some sports. Let's do it. So we got games this weekend. i got to dive on A.J. McCarron. I want to really uh, – you guys are going to have to help me out with this decision or with this draft or whatever, the rock. Welcome to the XFL, A.J. McCarron. Anyway, we'll
3: talk about that <laughs> on the other side of the break. Was that your rock inter- and? <laughs> Is, it right is that your rock impersonation?
0: I don't even know what it was, to be honest with you. It just kind of flew out there. <laughs> you you, you, tried. Know, you, you, tried. you two guys are gonna understand every once in a while the old guy's mouth just shoots off. So <laughs> I don't what did it even sound like it? Is that why you asked? Maybe a little bit. No, I don't think
2: so. All right. <laughs> You're listening to the Jay Barker Show live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham best sports talk in the
5: state tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app at academy sports and outdoors they carry all the gear you need from the top brands all at prices you'll love and now shopping at academy is more convenient than ever
6: Temperatures stay below average tomorrow and Saturday. good supply of sunshine both days, highs between 51 and 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: the xfl and you know aj you, you know this but we'd be remiss without saying it is is your skill your pedigree your talent your attitude your humility your drive your passion i you know that that is those are all the qualities and anchors uh that live in us not only as passionate football fans uh and lovers of the game but also as owners of the xfl um, so we, as you know, expect big things from you, man. You are a multi-time champion. Um, <laughs> it breaks my heart that you guys beat us for the national championship in Miami <laughs> uh, years ago. <laughs> but that's all right. But we wanted to welcome you, man, to the XFL. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it.
0: AJ McCarron, now a member of the St. Louis Battlehawks, Love it, like it, leave it. Great nickname. Battlehawks. It's kind of a mouthful, but I like it. All right. I uh, I wanted to know, so I did a little I some research. I hit a button or two on my computer is what I did. But um, A.J. McCarran, now the XFL, the St. Louis Battlehawks. The average player, if you, do you all know this? What do you think the average player in the XFL makes? Lars, take a shot. Mm. Eight thousand uh, dollars. You got a guess on this,
4: Christian? Uh, do you mean uh, yearly, or how, how, how do you how are you judging this? Yeah, it's it it is considered an average salary. Okay, so salary. Oh man, maybe on average, I would say maybe sixty to seventy five thousand. Very good guess, fifty five thousand. Okay. However, quarterbacks,
0: as usual, Christian, you know this because you probably think they should wear dresses too, just like Jack Lambert did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, quarterbacks are the exception. What is the ceiling, guys? I'll ask you again, Christian. First, what do you think the ceiling is on a quarterback in the XFL?
4: The ceiling, uh, yeah, man, uh, maybe two hundred thousand.
0: I'd go a 495000 Wow, wow! I can see why AJ McCarron might want to play. That's I mean he's bad. probably making what two or
4: two or three now, two or
0: three million, don't you think? Um, Something like that? Well, yeah, I uh, mean, no, he's not now because he's not on a roster. Right,
4: yeah. but if he was on an NFL yeah, roster, sure. yeah, backup role, yeah, probably $2, 3000000 million for backup role. But, I mean, practice squad guys only make, well, I say only, it's still not bad, but I think it's probably upwards of the $200,000 range. So that's still more than if someone was on the practice squad. So that that's actually pretty good.
3: And um, really, if, if you look at it, A.J. McCarron is the headline player of this entire league. Um, You know, A.J. played eight years in the NFL and mostly as a backup. But for my Cincinnati Bengals, when Andy Dalton went down, A.J. started four games, played pretty good. And he was a starter for the Bengals in that crazy wild card game against the Steelers in twenty fifteen when uh Vontez Burfict and Pac Man Jones lost their minds late in the game and uh, really cost Cincinnati the game and, and uh, AJ played really well. He he threw a late touchdown pass to AJ Green and um, of course as we all know he led Alabama to two national championships in his career and I think he's one of the, you know, one of the all-time greats at, at Alabama. Just a winner, just a winner. But what I want to do is ask you guys if you know anything else about the quarterbacks for the XFL in the 2023 season. I'll, I'll run through them really quick, okay? For the Arlington Renegades, Kyle Slaughter. Do you know where he played college? Uh BYU. Southern Miss and Northern Colorado. Oh, that's I do remember him. Yeah, sure, man. Um, I know a little bit about this next guy for the Arlington Renegades, Drew Plitt. Spell that last name, please. P-L-I-T-T. Christian, you ever heard of that guy?
4: Respectfully, I have not heard of him.
3: (laughs) He uh, played at Ball State, and he... uh, he finished his college career with a sixty-eight to thirty touchdown to interception ratio. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Eric Dungy is going to be the quarterback of the D.C. Defenders. Do you know where he went to school? Is his dad Tony? Not that I'm aware. I didn't think
0: so. I was just kind of throwing that out there to kill some time, so I could come back and tell you I don't know. Christian, you <laughs>
4: ever heard of this guy Dungy? Um, I, I feel like I might have. Did, did he play at Syracuse? by chance
3: there you go good job well done christian three um point he, he, he almost <laughs> threw for he threw for 90 9, yards in his uh college career uh and that's despite battling injuries for each of his first three seasons all right for the houston roughnecks brandon silvers do you know he where he went troll. to school yeah you know him uh good job uh for the houston roughnecks caleb ellaby Ellaby? Ellaby. Caleb
0: Ellaby. I've never heard not of Not a clue. We're gonna leave this to you, West, you had either Chris. I, I Western have not Michigan.
3: Enough. Okay. For the Orlando Guardians, Quentin Dormady. Whoa. He played at Tennessee, at Houston, and at Central Michigan. And he's uh, played a little bit. He had a cup of coffee uh, with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, this this is a guy you guys know for, for the Orlando Guardians, DeAndre Francois. Yep, yeah, Florida Wasn't State.
0: He in the? Uh, yeah, yeah, we
4: played, I think I <laughs> think he was a quarterback him? when we played him in uh, twenty. The game I got hurt, of course, I tore my bicep that game.
3: And and Deandre Francois got hurt that game. And uh, and, and Christian, you guys put such a beat down on Florida State in that game. That program has not been the same since. I swear, that, <laughs> I I, 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 agree. I have I have stated I that many times. Uh, do you what do you remember about that? Other, I, I, other, other than all the injuries, hurt, I know that's very, <laughs> <In> a, there <laughs> that's was very significant.
4: Yeah, no, no. Uh, I just remember? I remember it being a. It was a it was a big game leading up to it. I know there was a lot of hype around it, and then uh, you know we just had gone out there, and I just remember we just were firing on all cylinders, and we. I just feel like we brought it to them that game, and uh, we were really feeling it. Unfortunately, you know, there was a number of injuries on both sides, but we lost a handful of linebackers. You know, me and Terrell Lewis. Uh, Rashawn Evans got hurt that game. Um, he he came back. I think Mac Wilson might have got banged up that game. We just so many people got banged up, but that game was definitely, definitely a war.
0: That was a year that y'all ended up having to start, like, two true freshmen at linebacker, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, which, by the way, Christians Long, we're going to take just a a quick short turn here. You played in those openers where Alabama just dominated. Uh, you mentioned Florida State. What were the a couple of the others that
4: you played in? We played uh, Wisconsin, I believe, one year maybe. Uh, I know Southern Cal. Um, my in 2014 we opened up with West Virginia. Um. I might be missing. Did you one.
0: dominate every one of those teams?
4: If I remember correctly, I know Southern Cal. We did. Um, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about Wisconsin. Maybe we didn't open with them. Maybe that that was later on. I could be wrong on that. Um, Are y'all open with them? Did we? Oh, okay, yeah, we did open with them. So thanks, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> respectfully, I think we did usually dominate those those opening games. But you know, it's one of those things that we've been beating up on each other all through training camp. And then you finally get to a point where you're just ready to let loose on somebody else.
3: <laughs> and I, I remember that Florida State game because I believe it was one versus two, and everybody thought that the first game of the season was going to be a preview of the national championship game, and that didn't work out that well for Florida State. All right, I'm just going to run through these really quick. An- Anthony Russo is a quarterback for the Saint- San Antonio Brahmas. He played at Temple, Michigan State. Jawan Pass, San Antonio, also playing for San Antonio. Um, I think we remember him. He played at Louisville. He's actually a pretty good player. Uh, ben Nucci is a quarterback for Seattle Sea Dragons. Steven Montez, also with the Seattle Sea Dragons. And we talked about AJ, uh, another quarterback for the Seattle Battlehawks, Ryan Wilson. And I'm just going to go through here. Luis Perez. Who has spent a lot of time in Birmingham? Yeah, he played for the Iron. Yeah, and he was—I I thought he was pretty good. Um, and yeah, he, he was not bad. He, he's the quarterback for the Vegas Vipers. So there, there you have the uh, the quarterbacks that are going to be in the XFL. And again, the the headliner is definitely AJ McCarron. Well, good for him, and I think he's pretty much guaranteed a starting role.
0: <laughs>
4: yes, what do you think? You think so? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, and I always liked him. I, I, it seemed like a pretty cool. Everybody remembers the saving slap he gave him. But, uh, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> hey, was, hey,
3: was, AJ <laughs> could be a little, a uh, little difficult yeah, to deal with sometimes. You know, aren't all quarterbacks? <laughs> you needed to catch AJ on a good day. If you caught him on a bad day, oh, you know, know this first hand Yes, I do. A, you're gonna have to do a deeper dive on that a little bit later. <laughs> no, right I, I, now, you know what? AJ was always good to me. Because, you know, if he would be in a bad mood and kind of pouty uh, and we would just be sitting in a room one-on-one, I'd be like, come on, A.J., we're going to have 22 million people reading this story. Let's let's just, like, snap out of it for 10 minutes here.
0: You know, that must have been cool to be able to throw that S.I. out there. Yeah. It, it helped. Oh, oh it helped. Don't you think it opened? I think you've only told me one person that really treated an S.I. guy wrongly. We're not going to get into that right now. When we come back, you want to talk some hoops? Let's do it. Talk Brandon Miller, um Alabama had a win at Mobile just uh night before last. And uh we'll talk to Brian Passing who is the color analyst on the Crimson Tide Sports Network when we get back.
5: built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800 448 19 Six two. And just for listening, go to Siebel's and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the J. Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel's Cottage.com.
9: letter O.
0: Back on the Jay Barker Show, Jay Barker Radio Network. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller, and now joined by the color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, who Christian Miller's a member of that, too, so on the football side, but Brian, a former player, he's now uh, side court watching all the games. Brian, welcome to the show. How's your life?
10: Hey, going well. Listen, I'm getting, um, bad feedback. When you're talking, it's, it's hard to understand. Okay. I don't know if there's any way they can fix that.
0: Well, let's put him on hold and see if that can be corrected. Uh, because that can be extremely annoying uh, what happens is you get a loop. You ever done PA at a game where the echo comes back to you? Or you ever spoken to a large group where you could there's a speaker somewhere and uh, it comes it's, back it's, to it you? Is,
3: it is horrible when you're up on a stage in front of a crowd and you the the, re, the reverberation is so loud, it makes it so you can't even think straight and you, you got to keep going. you got to keep pushing through it. And uh, it's, it's quite difficult. Well, it is a major
0: test in your mental concentration. <laughs> yes. Because you're hearing what you just said as you're starting to say something else. And there are gaps. Uh, there's a tendency to start talking real slow. Yeah. Um, I, think, I don't know. If where are we here? We are uh, making some technical adjustments here.
3: And um, just to let our let our listeners know, do you do you want to kind of let them know? Well, we're
0: in a different studio now, and we're also still in conjunction uh, with Crawford and uh, with our dear friends at Tide. And, you know, we're we're sending one signal one way, one signal another. It's like a a really great shot uh, in billiards. Because we're going off about three bumpers.
3: (laughs) Yes. Three rails. But all all these technical issues will be worked out. And uh, I'll just say this. We're going to have a major announcement on Monday. And uh, we're all very excited about it. Uh, All right. Did we readjust? Is Brian Passink available
0: now or is he still getting uh, bad refurb? Okay. They're going to call from another studio. When uh, when you were just you know patiently sitting in your wonderful flat in New York City in Manhattan and just typing away on your sixth book or whatever the case may be and also continuing to be a senior writer for Sports Illustrated, did you ever think you'd be in a studio with uh, all the different satellites and the bounces and the feeds and all that kind of stuff? Does it uh, have you found it to be
3: an easy adjustment? I don't believe I've ever asked you that. Well, I, I, I and I want Christian to comment on this, too. Um, I had never, I'd done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of radio interviews before I started doing the show uh, with Jay about four years ago. And um, I always enjoyed it, you know, from doing, you know, uh, Jim Rome, ESPN, Colin Cowherd. For whatever reason, Colin Cowherd has become a big advocate of mine and he did a great job of promoting my last book, A Season in the Sun and uh, I always really enjoyed it. But then uh, when Jay asked me to join the show uh, his show that he was launching uh, I'd never been a full-time radio host and uh, it was an adjustment period but then I found that I, I really enjoyed doing it and uh, loved just the, the camaraderie that goes along with it and the um the ability to actually get out of my little home office and interact with hu- actual human beings that was a really cool thing and uh, i've really grown to love it and and christian i i know you're you're uh, also kind of new to this game have you enjoyed it so far
4: yeah it's a lot of fun you know i think like you mentioned the camaraderie is really cool and it's just a, a nice opportunity to, to you know, speak your mind and, and, and offer some insight on some things, especially given you know, my background as a player. Um, I always enjoy being able to come on with you guys and you know explain some things and, and give some people some knowledge to some things that they might not necessarily understand how things work with um, football and kind of behind the scenes. So I really enjoy it, and it's always fun. I always look forward to it, and uh, you know, I think we have a really good time, and I'm excited for what we have in store uh, coming up shortly.
0: Well, you know, from a broadcaster standpoint, I've been one all my life so far. We really get aggravated at you uh, writers that come in here and try and steal the airwaves. And not, not to mention you former players that come in here and just think you know it all. <laughs> That's uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, Brian Passing's one of those guys. He's a former player that has picked up the mic and done splendid work. Brian, you there? We got technical issues solved?
10: The technical issues have been solved, and I can hear you loud and clear. I'll say this. You know, my only complaint about being on the radio is is just, you know, it's a nice-looking guy. People don't get to see me. Um, you know, I know that's a, a lot of the feedback <laughs> I get, just the disappointment there. Um, any of you guys get the same type <laughs>
0: feedback? I know Christian Miller does. I mean, they're throwing he flowers and oh,
8: stuff.
3: My goodness, stuff. yeah. <laughs> From the sidelines. Cause it's <laughs> like it, whenever Christian walks into a restaurant, it's like Caesar entering Rome. You know, uh, <laughs> you know people throwing flowers at, I, him. I'm just petals short, at him. I'm
0: just short of a man crush, but I'll just tell you this. Christian Miller's a good looking man.
4: I appreciate you guys,
0: Brian. Passing, good-looking man. You you know the
3: former. Well, Brian, thank. You can't handle the truth. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show and your patience. You're you're kind of our our guinea pig, first guest here uh, in our new setup that we have. So really appreciate that. But uh, just your overall impressions so far of uh, of uh, this new version of the Alabama basketball team.
10: Well, I've been really impressed in so many different areas. Uh, Great start for this team. A lot of new faces. The highly touted recruiting class, number three recruiting class in the country. Several uh, highly sought-after transfers. And so the expectations were high for this team. They are high for this team. Uh, I think after three games that they might have a a higher ceiling than I anticipated with the length, the athleticism, the depth. Uh, this is a, potentially a special group. You add in all those things, you add in Brandon Miller, who I think has established himself as one of the best players in college basketball. If You haven't seen him play. For those that haven't seen him play, get the Coleman Coliseum very soon, hopefully tomorrow night, against Jacksonville State because Brandon Miller is a special player at nine, has guard skills uh, at a high level, can do pretty much everything, can dribble, pass, and shoot, has a high IQ, very athletic, uh, can play about four different positions. Uh, and I would say uh, don't get used to him in Tuscaloosa. He's got a potential of playing in the NBA. I, I would, you know, I don't want to go ahead and uh, predict his future, but I'll say this. At the end of the season, he's going to have options uh, to go to the next level. He's, he's a great player. Uh, I think he's enjoying being in college. I don't think he's, any, he's in any hurry. Uh, to to go into the professional ranks. But he will have that option. He's just too good of a player, uh, and he's been fun to watch. But this has been, so far, so good for this Alabama team. It hasn't been perfect, but they have shown uh, with their ability to defend, rebound, uh, the skill set they have on the offensive end, uh, that it's going to be a fun season for Alabama basketball.
0: Brian, we tripped up on the first hurdle coming out of the gate. Can you hang on through a break and then spend a little bit more time with us, please, sir?
10: Absolutely.
0: Okay. We'll do that on the other side of this break. It's Lars, Christian, Matt, Josh, Joe. The gang is all here.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham.
6: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill. Compare that to Temperatures stay below average tomorrow and Saturday. A good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 51 and 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
0: Welcome back to the Jay Barker Show on the Jay Barker Radio Network. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Christian Miller. We appreciate all of you that have dialed us in. We are joined now talking some Alabama hoops with Brian Passink. Uh Brian Jack State tomorrow. Actually, give us give us just the numbers on the on the time and the place and all that kind of stuff so people can go and attend this. But my question as far as the floor is concerned is: how can you get 67 rebounds, then 58, 69? And I wonder where that ranks nationally. Is Alabama the leading rebounder in the country right now?
10: All right, I, I give you one guess where where Alabama ranks nationally in rebounding, and I think you're going to get it right. <laughs> Top dog, Big Cheese, number one, number one. Yeah, no, you guys know what you're doing. You're exactly right. Number one going into the South Alabama game at 56 rebounds per game had 63 against the Jaguars. This team's length is. Just overwhelming, and I don't think you can appreciate it until you see it live. I mean, you have so much size, length, uh, athleticism around the basket, but you also you also have it on the perimeter. I mean, you look at the five that Alabama has started. It, you got Charles Bediaco, seven footer, uh, at the center position. Uh, he was one of the best. Uh, interior defenders, rebounders, uh, leaders in block shots. As freshman in the SEC last year, he's back. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's put on about 20 pounds of muscle. He's a much better player than he was last year on both ends, but but he's known as a defensive player, and he's been terrific. Next to him is 6'10", Noah Clowney, uh, who had 15 rebounds against South Alabama. Gets off the floor so quick. Uh, and next to him at the small forward position is 6'9", Brandon Miller, who can really get up. And at the two guard, Namari Burnett, who's six five but has a six ten wingspan. All these guys are long and athletic, but really competitive. They play extremely hard. You come off the bench with Nick Pringle, Noah Gurley. Um, you know both of those guys, six eight or nine, uh, very active. So this team, uh, their length is really something to see, and it's why you can withstand poor shooting nights like Alabama's had on a couple of occasions. Uh, too many turnovers, which I think will improve as the year goes on. You know, we I was looking at the stat monitor in Mobile with about six minutes to go. Alabama's up 20 points and really struggling in a lot of statistical areas on the offensive end. Didn't shoot the ball well, turned it over too much, but was up 20 against a quality opponent in a tough road environment. And it's because of the way they dominate the glass on both ends. Uh, they, they defend at a high level and just play with a competitive spirit Those things travel. Those things will be consistent. And one of the reasons I'm so optimistic about how good this team could be is the areas that they're struggling in, shooting the ball, taking care of the ball, those will get better as the year progresses. You have too many guys that can flat-out shoot it uh, on the offensive end. They'll get used to playing at this faster speed with so many new faces. Uh, It's not a surprise that they're turning it over, trying to play uh, the Nate Oates style, which will be one of the fastest teams in the country. But once they get used to it and they get used to playing with each other and the offense catches up with the defense, look out. Uh, this team is going to be really, really good on both ends and really dangerous with a chance to compete, I think, for an SEC championship. I mean, there are several teams that will be in the mix, and I think Alabama's one of those teams.
3: Brian, what, um, what is it about Nate Oates? He's able to bring in season after season now he's got a track record a history of these ultra talented guys and he, he's also done a good job of, of fitting all the puzzle pieces together is it the style of play and just Nate's personality that has been the sort of two keys of, of uh, bringing in these high level players
10: yeah I think it, it's a combination of a lot of things you know you, you look at the head coach, Nate Oats is, is someone that guys really like and gravitate to. Uh, he's very honest. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. He doesn't ever tell you just what you want to hear. He tells you the truth, uh, and he has shown that he can get guys ready that have dreams of playing in the NBA, uh, that his system really translates into that, helps prepare you, and helps showcase guys uh, for the NBA scouts. You look around the NBA and talk to assistant coaches in the NBA, general managers, front office, and ask him about Alabama. That, the style that, that he's playing in Tuscaloosa is what the NBA is playing, and it translates so well. It, it, it shows you, um, you know, guys that, that are excelling at the college level that that, that can, can get you ready for the NBA. Uh, so that's a big part of it, style of play. And, you know, it's fun to play. I mean, you're going to play one of the fastest, um, most aggressive styles that that is like the NBA in college basketball. And there are NBA scouts and general managers that have no affiliation with the University of Alabama uh, that will tell you uh, that if, if you want to have a career and, and have aspirations to play in the NBA and you're considering Alabama, that's a great place to get you ready. So uh, that's great for alabama it's great for these players and and it's a big reason why you're able to put back to back to back top 10 top 15 recruiting classes together and go all over the country and alabama hey we all know this alabama is a national brand it's not just football this uh, athletic program has had so much success all across the board and you know that script day means something around the country and you know, Tuscaloosa is a great place to live. Football games are fun to go to. Is when you visit as a as an athlete for other sports. So there's a lot to sell at the university. We all know that. Um, but when you combine that with Nato's personality, his ability to develop guys for the next level, and the style of play that's just fun to play. I mean, it's fun to watch as fans, no doubt about it. But as a player, that's what you dream of. You dream of having the green light, being able to get up more threes than than you probably ever gotten up in your life and and the ability uh, to hone your skills with a chance to play at the next level. So all those things is a great recipe for success. And as a fan, as a former player, I'm just enjoying uh, the fruits of all those things.
4: Brian, were you surprised with Javon Quinterly returning so quickly from that ACL injury? And what kind of impact does he have on this program?
10: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I was pleasantly shocked. Uh, I thought he'd be back. I've known Javon for a few years now. I'm a huge fan of him, on and off the floor. Uh, He has worked incredibly hard to get back, not sooner, just sooner than expected, but two months sooner than expected. The original uh, goal was to get back in January for SEC play. He's two months earlier, and and it's for no other reason than uh, he was relentless. With his rehab, with his work, uh, he had his goal of getting back early in mind and, and becoming a great player for Alabama, helping lead this program back uh, to championship level with a chance to do something special in the NCAA tournament. And also, he's one of those guys that expects to play in the NBA, and he's worked so hard to get back. And when he went, when he got on the court uh, Tuesday night, uh, I, I had chills because I know how hard he's worked to do that just really happy for him uh, to get back so soon uh, An ACL injury you know there's going to there's going to be some rust some cobwebs some you know confidence issues and in, in your knee and how strong it is and also in yourself he hasn't really played basketball competitively for eight months. I mean, when when you're used to playing every day in the summer against high-level competition, he wasn't able to do that. So it's going to take some time for him to get back to full speed, but he will back at full speed, and I'm glad he's going through that process here in November as opposed to trying to work his way back in in mid-January into February.
0: Brian, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you putting up with uh, our snafus here and there, but we'll talk again next week if that's okay.
10: I look forward to it. Appreciate you guys having
0: me. All right. Tomorrow night,
6: 8 o'clock in Tuscaloosa,
8: Jack State.
6: Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham Store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham Store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A.
5: white glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamer. It's a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV. And use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer.
9: It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out gofan.co the next time you need a ticket for a high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan dot letter C Letter O. Birmingham's
5: best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. It's delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja Fish Tacos signature fajitas and much much more so head over to La Paz today if you want a great lunch or a great dinner you'll find all that at La Paz Crestline and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app
1: than what you do the only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal how can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great that can't affect an exploit. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day, we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life, be a good father, help other people accomplish something of significance, make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tide.
2: Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992 winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times, best-selling off a 20-year veteran of sports illustrated and professor at the university of alabama live from the avx studios in birmingham alabama the jay barker show
1: you know, we talk a lot about culture we talk a lot about identity but really what 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 makes you sort of motivated what creates an identity for all of us. You know, we all strive for, you know, self-respect. So, but how do we go about doing it? You know, there's a lot of successful people who, you know, really aspire to accomplish certain things. They have goals and aspirations, they know exactly what they have to do to do it, and they go about every day with a positive attitude and a lot of positive mindset to try to accomplish those things, and when they get to it,
0: there you have Nick Saban at the mic uh Christian Miller I'm just gonna dive straight into the second hour and straight at you did you did you ever go to hey coach as they bring players in don't they
4: uh I never attended it as a player um this was my okay. first time uh doing it now that I'm in the media right now
0: did you enjoy it
4: yeah I had a blast it's uh it's fun to listen to them and uh it's always cool to see all the the fans in there wanting to listen to them getting a bite to eat over at Baumhauer so yeah, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really cool event.
3: Yeah, I've uh, been able to do it a couple times myself. Self, I've been able to do it a couple times myself with uh, Coach Sabin over the years. And uh, it's cool because multiple reasons. I, I think he's more relaxed in that atmosphere. And we, we talked about a little bit yesterday that uh, he actually looks forward to it. Um, And because it it, it gives him a chance to talk directly to the fans. And the people who show up at Baumhauer's, they're regulars. They even have their regular spots where they sit. And And they have one caller, uh, Pee-wee? Pee-wee. He's always first. He's always first. Uh, You know, I think that's really cool. It is cool. And and when it, and when it's when he there's I think there's one time recently where he didn't call in first and it sort of knocked the show off its axis access <laughs> axis access <laughs> <That's> axis, <awesome. laughs> axis? axis. Uh, yes axis, um, but uh, yeah Christian my my one story and I've, I've told this a few times on air, uh, it was before the LSU game. And uh, beforehand, uh, I just recently spent a lot of time with Coach Saban for a story, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, we we talk a little bit before the the cameras come on, and he's like, Lars, just ask whatever you want, just fire away, fire away, go ahead. I'm like, you sure, Coach? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so Eli Eli opens so, <laughs> Eli opens the show up, and then. He tosses it to me, and I'm like, Coach, so your dad died at age 46. Has that given you a sense of urgency to accomplish as much as you can, as quick as you can in your life? And then we went down that sort of uh, vein of of talking about his dad. And, I, and I've said this many times, Christian, and I'd love to get your reaction. Whenever Nick Saban talks about his dad, I always sort of get on the edge of my seat because I know what what's coming next is very very important. And uh, so anyway, we, we talked about his dad and 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 what his passing did to him at such a young age. And then we go to commercial break. <laughs> and <laughs> never forget this, even though at the time he was like I don't know sixty six, sixty seven. He 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 takes his right hand and I did not realize he was so strong and he puts it on my uh, just above my knee on my thigh and he squeezes as hard as he can. And and it literally hurt. It hurt. And he said, Lars, enough with the blankety blank psychology on my dad. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was like. Got gotcha, you, Coach. And so the, then we came out of the next uh, break and said, Coach, so what do you think of LSU secondary? <laughs> about that zone blitz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, the, that was the one time I dug deep with Coach Saban on his dad. Uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, so, so, Christian, it, when you've heard Nick or Coach Saban talk about his dad, uh, is it? Do, do, have you gotten the same feeling that hey, what's coming next is is a really important message?
4: Yeah, you know, you can just tell when whenever he speaks of his father. There's just so much respect for him and the lessons that he taught him growing up. And uh, Coach Saban really just has a strong sense of pride on where he's from and the people that were involved in his upbringing. And uh, anytime he tells stories from back home or his upbringing, you know, they're always they're always entertaining. But there's always um, special lessons. Um, in those stories that you can always learn something from and apply to your life. So always listen up when he, when he gets to talking about that, or um, you know, the, the filling station that his father owned, I believe it was called when he, when he was growing up, um, mm-hmm. just some, some really cool stories that he tells. And um, again, there's just so many life lessons in those stories. So always, always keep my antennas up when he starts telling
10: them.
0: Ah, he's much more comfortable taking questions from fans. And the fans can ask him stuff that we can't,
4: you know. Yeah. <laughs> they'll uh, handle it. They've he had, they've had it. Uh, kids asking him questions recently, and that's always entertaining because, um, you know, kids, <laughs> they might not necessarily know what to ask, but they'll ask him a question or two, and, and uh, he always, you know, answers it politely and stuff. But it's funny. I think, I think he was using some foul language answering one of their questions not too long ago, and it was, <laughs> it was pretty yeah, funny. he
0: dropped like three, he dropped three S-bombs, S. Bombs in language. like fifteen seconds.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, Christian knows this better than than me, but uh, he he'll, he'll use a little blue language now now and then um, to uh, express himself. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's it's a, it's just a cool scene, a cool environment. Uh, Miss Terry's always there uh, during the breaks. Uh, he'll pose. He'll he'll get off the stage and. And pose for pictures, sign autographs, and uh, it, it just feels, it feels like he's just very comfortable in, in that environment. And, and again, I think a lot of it goes back to it's the same fans uh, week in and week out that are there. Uh, and some of them are my f- former students, uh, uh, a young woman named Karen. She's always there. And uh, Karen's probably listening right now. Uh, and she works at the University of Alabama. And uh, her and her, her family go. And, and uh, you know, it's just uh, it, 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 it feels just sort of like a, a warm place to be, a warm, safe place to be. And I think that's what Coach Saban likes about it.
0: Does he order the same? I don't know if anybody has the answer here. But, you know, he eats the same thing for breakfast,
4: the same thing for lunch. Does he order
0: the same thing at Baumhauer's I've never seen him eat
4: there. I I don't think he has enough time to eat um, because normally he kind of comes straight (laughs) in and goes straight to the stage. And, uh, you know, while he's up there in in between breaks, like uh, Lars mentioned, sometimes he'll get down and uh, pose for pictures or I see him signing autographs while he's up there. Um. So he's pretty busy, and then as soon as his segment is over, he gets straight out of there. His security escorts him right to his his car, and he's out of there. So I don't think he has time to eat. But um, you know, speaking on you know his structure, it it makes sense. It's probably why he enjoys it as well, because that's part of his routine. You know, he probably looks forward to every day or every Thursday, excuse me, after practice, he heads over there and does his show. So I think anything that helps him stay in his routine and keeps him structured, I think he's going to enjoy it. Yeah. We're asking a lot of things about
0: Nick, but I'm gonna throw one more your way. Does he eat the pregame meals and like the Friday night meals on the road? Does he go to the ice cream bar? Do you see him in those situations, or is is he in his room watching film?
4: Oh no, he he eats uh, with everybody else. <laughs> he 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 joins the coaches. The coaches have their areas where they sit, and the players have our area where we sit. And um, I'm sure they probably discuss things, maybe the game plan or whatnot. Um, but yeah, no, he eats in there. I, I can't say I've seen him getting dessert like ice cream, but uh, <laughs> he definitely does uh sit down and enjoy his dinner with everybody else,
3: Matt. We are really getting down to the nitty gritty yeah, of I Nick Saban. I, 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 gone OD does, on does, Saban. Does, here. does he uh, does he go to the bathroom at the same time every day? <laughs> um, you know, well, he eats regular, but maybe he does. <laughs> I don't
0: know. It's uh, it, it, right. are, you, are you saying, hey, Matt, slow down. <laughs> You're starting to sound like Man Crush on Saban here or something like that. I I really, I really like to know stuff like that, and I would certainly hope that the people listening to this program do, too. If not, email me or contact the <laughs> station and, you know, let, yeah. let me know. Hit, hit Christian uh, up on Twitter uh, or hit me up I, on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, on Twitter, too. Um, uh, Christian, did y'all have the big ice cream thing on Friday nights before game?
4: Oh, yeah, we have a uh, really good dessert, man. We have, there's ice cream right, sometimes. I want you to,
0: uh, I want you to,
4: yeah, I want you to explain because
0: I've seen them many times. When we get back from this break, I want you to tell people: y- have you seen them? Have you no. seen these things on Friday nights before no. they go to bed? Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Christian will do a deep dive on that on the other side of the break. <laughs> it's fabulous.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board,
6: but then all you can do is hope. When the sun goes
8: down
6: on my side of town,
1: that lonesome feeling comes to my door.
0: I remember my first road trip with, uh, I think There's it was a UAB, Jack They It could have been the stallions. And you're just so kind of hanging around the lobby in the hotel, which uh, everybody did on Friday nights. Some get a beer, some get coffee. But about 10, they, just, they would open up one of the banquet rooms. And I'm going to let Christian pick it up from there. How many different delights did they spread out for you on a Friday
4: night? You know, man, I don't even know how many, there's so many, I don't even know if I could count them all, but, you know, main ones that I remember, you know, obviously you have an ice cream bar with, you know, all different flavors and all different toppings that you can put on there. We'd have the, you know, half-baked cookies, um, chocolate mess, which is probably my favorite. It's like a half-baked brownie, kind of like, you know, hot, warm brownie, and uh, you normally put like vanilla ice cream on top, so good, and then... Um, We also have, like, a a shake or, like, a milkshake bar, like, before bed um, that they do. Um, (laughs) That's basically, you know, another time to get you some dessert. So, yeah, they – oh, man, they spoil us um, on Friday nights, that's for sure.
3: Um, So about this Austin P game this weekend, uh, Christian – As far as I can remember, the the schedule for the students is different this year than it has been in previous years uh, because we used to go, I think, up to – students had to be in class Monday and Tuesday of Thanksgiving week. And this year, uh, Friday is the last day, and the students get all of Thanksgiving week off. So what does that mean? It means uh, the the majority of students – the vast majority, are going to be gone on Saturday. Uh, <clears throat> and so the, there's not going to be a lot of students in the student section, I, I, I believe. And I think we could be looking at maybe one of the all-time low crowds in uh, the Saban era, especially because it's an uh, 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, do you, will that have any impact on the players and in, in the energy level, if I'm correct in that?
4: Um, you know, um, I'm sure there might be some um, impact, but realistically, I think these guys are just focused on going out there and doing their jobs. I mean, obviously, they'd probably uh, love to have uh, an electric crowd. Um, But you know, like you mentioned, you know, there just might not be as many people in town with the break going on. But I think the biggest thing these guys need to do is build off the momentum that they had. Um, last week on on a, with a great road win win against Ole Miss, in um, a pretty hostile environment, and, and that second half was truly um, much better football than we've seen from those guys, and mostly in part due to just uh, much higher intensity, uh, much more physicality, and uh, they finally uh, got a, got it uh, done at the end and found a way to finish. So I think that's the biggest thing is to carry that over into this week and not don't pay attention to who you're playing oh, or who's in the stands. Um, But focus on going out there and and doing your job and and building off that momentum um, that they built in the second half last week against Ole Miss. Christian, was the
0: second half against Ole Miss defensively probably Alabama's best effort of the year?
4: Uh, It was one of them. I I honestly was more impressed, though, um, with the the offensive side with um, the physicality that the offensive line showed – um, then finally, you know, having their way and imposing their will in the run game, you know, Jason McClellan did an outstanding job running the football. He was running it hard. And, uh, we saw some big key physical blocks from the offensive line. So that, that was, um, the biggest thing that I saw that I was, uh, really excited about. But as you mentioned, the defense also did a tremendous job. And, um, the biggest play of the game was the last play where they stopped Ole Miss, um, from scoring a touchdown. Brian Branch did a, a, a fantastic job. Um, in coverage, and, and and playing the football, and uh, getting the getting getting the deflection that they needed to force a turnover on down. So, yeah, I think that was honestly some of the best football we've seen from that team in that second half last week.
3: Do you guys know why Austin P has the nickname the Governors? I think because Austin P was a governor
0: many many years ago.
3: Well. I'm trying to figure this out right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to have the answer uh, for us. <laughs> I I, 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 th- I think he I, I th- think he did. I, and I, was- I thought I did. Um, and also, who was Austin P? Uh, that's another question. But uh, yeah, uh, he was a
0: governor. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, that's why
3: they call him the governor. Uh, that's so. right. He Joe's, Joe's as, giving uh, him a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Austin P. Yeah, he served as the governor of Tennessee from 1923 until his death in 1927 and austin p state university was named in his honor in 1929 and they continue to honor tennessee governors through the naming of buildings on campus as well as the governor mascot and the governor's athletic teams and so uh well, you know, uh, if if you want to know more about Austin P., I, I, I could keep just going call. on and on. Go. Austin P., the you man. Need to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you need yeah. to uh, send him a tweet. <laughs> right. Put it he's, out on Twitter. All right, b- I got it. I got a uh, story. J- June 1, 1876 was uh, when he was born. R- what year? 1876. God, it just amazed me. That's
0: that. Uh, wow, so long ago. All right, I have an Austin P. Story. He was a lawyer, too, so I got oh, that going against well. him. <laughs> we, when, when was it we opened the show and told lawyer jokes for about 10 minutes? That was hysterical. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do uh, physician jokes. Anyway. Oh, I got there. Uh, I have an abundance of doctor uh, jokes. Back in the uh, 70s, Austin P had a basketball player named Fly Williams. You ever heard of him? From New York City, baby. Fly. He yeah. was one of the street kids, but man, the guy baller. could light it up. And uh he went on to play in the ABA. He played for the St. Yeah. Louis Spirit, I think it was. But anyway, when he was at Austin P, uh the students would stand up and yell, The fly is open, let's go pee. <laughs> is that not funny? <laughs> I always thought that was the fun fly well. is, Yes, it is. The fly it's, is open. Yes,
3: Let's yes. go pee. Yeah, a lot of uh, double meaning there. Absolutely. I love it. I love it.
0: I love it. I love it. He was a great... He's the guy that was wearing the big floppy hats. Remember? Oh, yeah. Uh, he dressed kind of like, if you remember, Walt Frazier. Anyway, I can go back to Earl Monroe, but we're not going to do that dance right now. But remember, the fly is open. Let's go pee. P. All right. Uh I want to go back to something we were talking about defense a minute ago. Mm. And I don't know how suddenly teams just become locked in. But one thing I noticed in the second half, Alabama versus Ole Miss, is that the first guy that hit the ball carrier dropped him. Did am I wrong Christian or did Alabama just not tackle a
4: lot better against Ole Miss? Um I mean it's it's tough to say. I mean I it's tough to say. I mean, I, I, I did, like I said, I, I like the physicality. I think uh, it might have been Henry Toe that um, had a nice play where he, he knocked the ball loose, um, forcing a forcing a fumble. Um, you know, I, I don't think they tackled great against LSU. I think that was uh, one of the key issues on defense that game. Um, but it looked like, you know, it like it was a little bit better against uh, Ole Miss.
3: Yeah, and uh, I, I think they just played better overall and um uh, the, the guys who had been struggling just had, had had a good game um so i don't know we'll we'll see we'll see what happens what's your guess how uh christian how long will uh bryce young play on saturday
4: you know that all depends on you know what the the scoring in the game and uh, you know usually you know even if we i would say even if we're out big on someone in the first half, you know normally the starters will still go in um, at least for the first couple drives in the third quarter. Then if it's um, you know that that much of a of a difference in score, then usually we'll start slowly subbing guys um, you know later in the third quarter. So um, it's tough to say. I think they're more focused on really just playing their standard first and foremost. I mean, um, I've been hearing Coach Saban talk about basically. Uh, at their practices hey um, we should practice you shouldn't know who we're playing depending on how we practice so with that being said they're going into this this week I mean they're, they're going out there to play Alabama football I don't I don't think they're looking ahead I don't think they're focused on anything else other than um, you know their biggest goal right now and that goal is to to get back to playing to that Alabama standard Pretty good stuff. That's Christian Miller. Also
0: in the studio is Lars Anderson. I'm Matt Coulter. Appreciate you joining us on the Jay Barker Show slash radio network. There is uh, some pretty heavy breaking news coming out of downtown Birmingham, which is the home office of the SEC. Uh, I want to dig into it a little bit more before we go into it to see how valid this post is. So uh, hang on. This is this is. Quite uh, game changing stuff, and indeed, if indeed it is true. Back in the flash.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham.
7: One in seven men face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the US. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU
5: built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800 448 19 Six, two. And just for listening, go to Siebel's and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's and
9: Downtown Homewood are online at Siebel's Cottage.com. Letter O
0: Lars Anderson is in the house along with Christian Miller. I'm Matt Coulter. Welcome to the show, Jay Barker Show and Radio Network. All right. With delicate hand, how do do we handle this, Lars? There is a post, I'll just say this, on Twitter that says that uh, Greg Sankin, the SEC, is now considering heavily that they don't have divisions anymore. Uh, You'll just have, you know, you'll have 14, I guess soon to be 16 teams all competing. And I'm not sure how they would decide who goes to the championship game. I guess they'd do it like the Big 12 and just take the top two record-wise in conference play. But, Lars, you remember Sankey saying this four months ago.
3: Yeah. Uh, basically, in uh, he said it at the SEC Media Days, and it also in September, uh, Commissioner Sankey said that the idea of having pods, right, because – Uh, The SEC is going to be expanding to 16 teams in 2025 with the addition of Oklahoma and Texas. Um, That the idea of pods, which is basically a a four-by-four plan, uh, that doesn't work, he said, for the same reason that the current two-division system has drawn ire from fans. It's uh, the lack of a home and away meetings between programs in different divisions. So... um, You know, right now, and he told reporters this back in September, but somehow uh, a person on Twitter is uh, is is drawn the attention of the entire college football media contingent. Uh, But this is what Sankey said back in September. He said the focus in football is on a single division right now. The real debate is eight or nine conference games. That doesn't mean divisions are completely erased from our consideration, but they're not at the forefront of our thinking. So even back in September, the one division concept was the runaway favorite to be the structure of of how things were going to go down. And now today you have
7: uh, a – Mark I, Ryan on there. Yeah,
3: I, I wasn't even going to mention his name because oh. I don't know if it's worthy of it. Uh, he may be one of these dudes who paid eight dollars to get the blue check mark by his name to Elon Musk, I don't know. because this isn't breaking news. This has been this has been out there for a long time. And um, again, I, I, I think it still is going to require much discussion, but certainly it appears that um, the SEC is heading toward, what the big twelve does and that is basically you have all sixteen teams in one conference without divisions and um that would mean doing away with that fourteen pod model as uh... many had suggested as an, an alternative and again uh... I, I i just i don't get how this is breaking news uh... but hey sure getting a lot of attention on yeah, the bird it really is Um Christian, do you even like the concept? What do you think
0: about it? If we just went to the one league division.
4: Um, I think you know there's obviously pros and cons. Um, as it is without anything, I mean, I guess it'd be more diversity in schedule, playing you know uh, different opponents that you usually don't really get to play. Um, and if you if it is like you mentioned, where um, you play another division game instead of a non conference game, I feel like that's better. I feel like the more SEC. Um, games you play the better um i I just enjoy the competition in those games um no disrespect to any other conferences but um it is it is enjoyable playing those games Uh, for example if if this week i feel if alabama was playing another sec opponent um you know it would just be a much much more enjoyable game this week versus playing austin p which i get it you know that's just kind of how the system works right now but um to answer your question I, i don't know um I, I feel like there'd be uh, a number of pros and cons um to go to that uh, single division.
3: Yeah, um I, I again, I, I think there's going to be a lot of debate on this moving forward. Um and uh we'll we'll just see. I mean, heck, there there could be more expansion coming <laughs> uh here in the in the near future. Uh, I certainly think there probably is. Um but Again, I, I don't see this as breaking news because this is something that, that uh, Greg Sankey has been talking about for a long time. Uh, but it does appear that this is the way things are heading. Um, but you know, Matt ha, if it is single division, right just just how do you maintain the rivalry? But but say, that's exactly it. My, my do, biggest do, question how you, how you would you maintain, uh, Alabama, How do you maintain Alabama-Tennessee? How do you maintain Alabama-Auburn? Uh, I don't think you can. Because it, it would have fine. to be a... a ran, unless you had, say, four opponents that you played every year, but then that wouldn't be fair. You, it, it, it 4 your player yeah, wouldn't... It, it, it has to be a, a random cycle that you end up playing every team... You know, every or two out of every three years, or whatever right. the math is on that, right? I, I would, I don't even know, but uh, it, you, you would have to cycle around, and that means that you would lose out on uh, some rivalries. Did you? you I all? think you'd have to set aside a couple
0: of games that were just special, wouldn't you, Christian?
4: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask Matt. Did you mention that is it the Big Twelve that that already does something like this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so yes. how how do they, they take be... the? Oh, good. No, how did how did they decide who plays?
4: Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, what I read, they have rivalries as well, right? You know, like the like Oklahoma and. Oh, yeah. uh, and so, so I was just was curious how how they um, structure that.
0: As far well, as what I read, and this was earlier in the week, or maybe as far back as last week, they take the top two teams, as far as the record is concerned, within conference play so yeah that's it I don't I don't like that but, but idea also in the SEC. But, but there's also just I like there's,
3: there's 10 teams in the big 12 right so the the, the math works out a little bit better uh, than it does when you have 16 teams and again to, to make it fair to make the the, the scheduling uh, equally weighted you would have to play every team like at least every, Four years is to, what their goal is, I think. I, I, I don't know how you do that with. 16? I just I just don't see how you can play one team every single year and have that be fair. Um, well, they kind of have it
0: set up that way now because if well, uh, the what, East wants to play West, uh, they what, haven't what they what held if, the Alabama-Tennessee game. What
3: if Alabama's rivalry was with Vandy, and you get Vandy every year? Oh, instead, instead of Auburn,
4: no. Yeah. I'm just,
0: and then what about somebody else? That like Missouri gets Georgia every year. Yeah. You know, how fair is that to them? I don't. Kirsten, just on paper right now, looking at it, do you like the idea? I like divisions. Do you? Uh,
4: I, I think I'm leaning towards divisions, especially when you mentioned um, the, the all the rivalries. I don't think you want to affect those or change those. I, I mean, right now, don't we we cycle through? Uh, like one East uh, game a year. You know, like this year, I think we played Vanderbilt. Sometimes we'll play Kentucky, sometimes um, Missouri, I believe. So I, I think it just cycles right now. And I think that's better just to leave it alone. I don't want to touch the rivalries or um, the things we have going on. I, I think I'm a much bigger fan of divisions.
3: I agree. I, I, you can't lose the rivalries. Rivalries are part of the, the lifeblood of college football. Uh, more so than the NFL, and, and more so than a lot of sports, especially in this state. If you lost to Auburn, Alabama, uh, you'd be losing just uh, such something that is so vitally important to so many people oh, in this state. There would be chaos in the streets. Seriously,
0: uh, the and fans would be, not take the. They would not take that lightly. I just uh, I don't know what they would do. Hey, uh, you know, recently uh, there was a record set, the University of Alabama football program, that I won't say it's been ignored. We just hadn't talked about it enough. We'll end that on the other side of this break.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham.
5: It's the Tuscaloosa Community Calendar, powered by Pepsi. A West Alabama holiday tradition, Tuscaloosa Community Dancers are proud to present
6: And Temperatures stay below average tomorrow and Saturday. Good supply of sunshine both days, highs between 51 and 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
7: A good girl. loves
3: her mama. loves Jesus in
7: America too she's a good
3: there's Kristen Miller girl
0: along with myself right Matt Coulter and Lars Anderson thanks for dialing us in in this uh, sunny but chilly afternoon I don't think it went unnoticed but we haven't talked about it so we need to though Will Reichert is now the leading scorer in the history of University of
3: Alabama football. That's a pretty big deal, Lars. yeah. um he's up to three actually, no, he's up to more than that, but he yeah, he's he surpassed Lane tiffin, uh, who had three hundred and eighty five points from two thousand and six to oh nine and um you know, he's just been so consistent and uh, Coach Saban has talked about his consistency, consistency in practice, his routine, his mindset, and, um, and, you know, he's uh, perfect on extra points this year. Uh, He's got NFL written all over him, and it's it's interesting. Uh, Back when, again, doing that NFL Europe book, uh, I paid attention to the this tryout between two kickers uh, for the Scottish Claymores. These guys were just cutthroat, man. They would try right to get in each other's head, and uh, they just—it uh, was all mind games. And, uh, and it was—it was fascinating to watch because they—they both would talk to me. And it was actually probably the most interesting position battle on the team. Uh, And and, and Christian, you you know, I love it when, uh, uh, you know, position players, I guess real position players, um, when they talk about kickers, uh, some are very dismissive, some are very respectful. Uh, What what has been your experience with kickers uh, throughout your career?
4: Here's the thing, Lars. This is this is why some people have <laughs> a bone to pick with them. It's because usually when we're out at practice, busting our tails and you know, you know, going through it physically. I mean, these guys half the time, and I, I get it. Their job are, is important, but half the time, you see these guys, just, you know, stretching on the sidelines, or they'll go into the weight room and and do things, and you're just like, I guess it's it's probably jealousy and envy of those guys, but. I will say I have learned to to appreciate these guys, um, and this is no disrespect to any other kickers we've had here. But you know, in recent years, we haven't always had the most reliable kickers. Just being honest, and uh, to see Will Reichard um, as as successful as he is, and accurate, and and, and trustworthy, um, it's just it's it's nice to see that, and you learn how important uh, those those points are, and uh, it's a uh, it's it's good that we finally have. Um, that that a uh, reliable option in the kicking game
3: you know I I Matt you know this I, I am oddly obsessed with kickers and uh, and and we've spent That's all a, that Nebraska soccer <laughs> <laughs> we've spent we have spent a lot of time uh, a lot of oxygen on discussing kickers and why kickers at Alabama have struggled you know they'll come in as five stars and just uh you know not be able to deliver when it matters most and i I hate to say it and i hate to be the one critical of nick saban but the 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 one common thread in 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 why these guys have struggled is the head coach and is it the fact that nick saban can be such an intimid intimidating figure that it makes it difficult. It, it just adds too much pressure to the kicker because I, I think kicking is uh, what ninety percent mental, ten percent physical. I, I I'm not sure what the the proportions would be there, but do, do you think there's something to that? That's been my theory over the years.
0: It could. It, I don't know. There's there's a certain amount of coaches that just flat don't like them. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and there are a certain amount that um, don't want to put a scholarship on them. By golly, you better now. Christian, you, for a while, that was about the only thing you could find wrong with Nick Saban is didn't have a consistent kicker until Will Riker.
4: Yeah, that's what it felt like. And, um, you know, it, it definitely, I feel like, um, and, you know, it's, it's clearly important in football, but you realize how important it is when, you know, we have a team. Like we had those few years we, we were so successful on all fronts and then you know sometimes we just couldn't make it work um, in the kicking game you know I look to um, in the, the Georgia game in the national championship you know we, uh we made that comeback and we, we were marching the uh, the football down the field and we have a chance to hit the game winner and uh, <laughs> it sounds bad but I think as a defense we, we, we knew we kind of struggled in the kicking game and even though it was not the furthest field goal. We just kind of knew in the back of the, back of our heads that we probably should be ready to go to overtime, um, or to or to, can, nice. can, to continue to play. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, you, you definitely learn to respect those kickers because they're they're so helpful and they're so instrumental to a good football team.
3: Christian, what uh, pressure situations would Coach Saban put the kickers in in practice? Like, would it be okay? If you hit this 45 yarder, the team doesn't run, but if you miss it, every single player is going to be running except you.
4: You know, we never had those type of situations, but he definitely would, you know, throw out scenarios for them and have the crowd noise on sometimes. And um, you know, he actually he didn't put too much on them. It's not like he was, you know, heckling them and trying to really mess with them, you know. I think he um just trusted that they were preparing the right way and that um, they were doing the things that they needed to do to prepare to prepare themselves. I mean, uh J. K. Scott, who's a punter, not a kicker, but you know, he actually, uh, believe it or not, he presented his own little workout plan to Coach Saban um when I was in school, um, in terms of saying, Hey, um, he felt like this program would um help him be a better player. Um, th- that he should probably participate in that during the spring instead of doing like the fourth quarter program. And I think Coach Saban actually signed off on it, so I think Coach Saban, you know, works with those guys and, and lets them do the things that they need to do. Because I, I think um, you made a good point, you know, probably 90% of it is mental. I mean, obviously, they have to have the, the physical talent to kick the football um, along a range and with accuracy. But realistically, um, their job comes down to, to being able to perform under pressure and in, in a very intense situation.
3: You know, we had member Matt. We had Evan McPherson's dad on yeah, Evan McPherson from, from Alabama and uh, uh, or from he's from Fort Payne. Yeah, the sock capital yeah. of the world. Well, it used to be. <laughs> <I don't>, that's <laughs> now I, it's just God's country. Um, but uh, I love Evan McPherson uh, in the divisional round. In I think it was overtime. Uh, Cincinnati had a 53-yard field goal attempt, and he looks to Joe Burrow on the sideline and said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship, and he trots out there and drills a 53-yarder. And um, But he, you know what? Evan McPherson's been struggling this year now. He's missed like two of his last three kicks. It,
0: it, it's just it's, That's that's a struggle? He's missed two of his last three? I guess in the NFL,
3: that is. Yeah. You can lose a job if you do that a couple times Back-to-back. Yeah. To back. yeah. Um, but it's always been a, a sort of a mystery to me why, why there have been kicking struggles at Alabama uh, during the Saban era, but obviously not Will is has flourished. And, again, I, I think he's going to have a wonderful NFL career and the type of kicker who actually get back. drafted. You know, um, pre-Saban, there were some pretty the, – the,
0: uh, the Tiffins, not Kiffin, the Tiffins were very good. Uh, Van and Lee. In fact, Reichert passed Lee, Tiffin's record. But back when I was there, there was a guy named Peter Kim. He was from Hawaii. Paul Bryant recruited a guy from Hawaii to kick, and at one time he had the most consecutive one afters in the history. What was his of name? College. Peter Kim, K-I-M. Wow.
3: You like that? Yeah, that's that's good.
0: Uh, I like her two hours. I guess we got to get out of here. We've got to relinquish the studio. Shall we do that? Let's do it. Let's,
3: let's do it again tomorrow. Bring the energy. What? What a great idea.
0: Josh, Joe, everybody involved here, Christian, Lars, Matt. Hey, appreciate it. Talk to you in 22 hours.
6: Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.